0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, and we are continuing through Luke's Gospel. We are in Luke chapter 12, and we're reading a quick succession of admonitions that Jesus gives the crowd. On the surface, they may not look like they're unified, they may look distinct, but as we Uh, read the whole gospel and as we read these passages together uh, we're beginning to pick up a theme of admonition here and the theme uh, that Jesus really uh, focuses on here at the end of this passage is readiness the spiritual condition of readiness readiness is a byproduct it's something that comes out of faith, hope, and love when we have and we practice diligently faith, hope, and love We become ready in the sense that Jesus is talking about here in the gospel. And of course, for us to understand faith, to know what it is, to have a picture of how it is that we're supposed to be living in faith, we have to go to Abraham, right? Uh, The father of faith. And in the passage today in Genesis, Abraham is still Abram. He's still in this early period of him coming to uh, respond to the Lord and coming to understand what this covenant is, what this promise is that God has made to him. Here in uh, Genesis chapter 15, he's already done quite a bit. You'll remember that we're introduced to Abram in chapter 12. He is living in Ur the Chaldees uh, near present-day Iraq, and he follows the Fertile Crescent, right? He goes northwest and he goes up into Haran, present-day Syria and then he's there with his father and uh, with the rest of his father's family, with his nephew Lot, and then Lot, his nephew, and Abram descend then from that northern peak of the Fertile Crescent down going southwest now into uh, present day Israel, and uh, once he is there, you'll remember that Lot and Abram decide that they can't stay in the same place, that there isn't enough land for their cattle, and so they decide to Divide, And you remember the lot looks down into the valley and he sees this green pasture and he says, that's where I'm going to go. So he goes down near the present day Dead Sea, uh, south of that to uh, the town of Sodom. And uh, we know the trouble that he gets into there. And Abram stays up in the hills, those heights around Mamre. And uh, and he gets word that Lot has been captured along with the king of Sodom. And this is a reminder again for us that Abram is not this uh, lonely man. He's not this isolated pilgrim. He's a great prince in the Middle East. He's wealthy. He's powerful. He's got a great army. He raises his army and he uh, frees Lot. And he refuses to take anything from the king of Sodom and those that he frees uh, by the strength of his army. says, uh, lest they should say that you have made me rich rather than God. Right? He is uh, totally and completely depending on God for everything that he has, and he's offered a sacrifice to the priest Melchizedek right before the passage that we have today. The whole reason he leaves Ur is because the Lord gives him uh, this kind of uh, basic picture of this covenant blessing, right? If you would uh, be uh, my follower, right? If you would believe in me, you would be uh, faithful. If you would be loyal to me, then you will become a great nation, But how that's going to look, Abram still really has no idea. We get that sense in the passage today. He says, okay, you're going to make me a great nation. How are you going to do that with Eleazar? And we even know that after this, then, Sarah doesn't understand it. And so Sarah says, well, you're probably supposed to have a child with uh, my maidservant Hagar. So we can see that the Lord has given Abram a promise. He's given him a vision of what he's going to do through him. But the specifics, the way in which that's going to happen... Play out over many years. And they play out as Abram is responding to the Lord in faithfulness. See, the Lord doesn't just say, do this one thing and then the covenant is complete. He says, go to Haran. He says, go to the promised land. He says, uh, you know, serve Lot and protect him. And so Abram is faithful and he is obedient over and over again. And the more that he listens to the Lord and responds, the greater his understanding of this promise is. And so as we read the story of Abram, we begin to get a sense of what this means, that he is faithful and that he is obedient. He's loyal to what the Lord calls him to do. We read that it's the Lord himself that comes to Abram. We read, the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. And this should, for us, immediately make us think, of John's Gospel, chapter 1, right? The Word is made flesh and has dwelt among us. This is Jesus before His incarnation who is appearing to Abram. This is Jesus appearing to Abram and He is telling Abram all the things that He is going to accomplish through Him if He would be faithful and loyal and obedient. And we read that He believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to Him as righteousness. Righteousness. And as we've said over and over again, this belief isn't just an idea that we have in our heads. Belief isn't a thought. Belief is the organization of our thoughts in line with our emotions so that we have integrity from the way that we think to the way that we feel to the way that we act. And that integrity is what we call belief. Belief is an organizing principle that motivates the way that we think and the way that we feel and the way that we respond and act To the promises of God. And so this is the backdrop. This is the background of a faith relationship. When Jesus says uh, be ready. This readiness is personified in Abram. He is generous. He's willing to risk all for his nephew. He's willing to risk all for his obedience to God. And he will take nothing from anyone other than the Lord. He says, everything that I have is going to be given to me from God. Because when we are obedient to the Lord, we see that it's the Lord who is preparing us. It's He that's providing for us. And when we see that He has a plan for our lives, that He has provision for our lives, fear evaporates. Because we know this is God's plan. This is what He's accomplishing. And all I've got to do is be, what, loyal and obedient to that plan. It's his strength. It's his provision. He's doing everything. And when we participate in that, fear evaporates. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, uh, here beginning at uh, verse 32, fear not. Fear not. I'm going to provide everything for you. And then immediately he gives the antidote to fear, which of course is generosity. Generosity right? He says, give. This is the organizing principle of faith. When we understand that God has given us everything, our desire then, our response to understanding that is to give. The first thing that we do in our budgets, when we write up our budgets as Christians, right? We, we put down, this is what the Lord has given me for the month. This is how much money he's given me. And then the first thing that I do is I give. Right? That's what we do at Jesus the Good Shepherd, right? The very first budget that we wrote, the very first thing we did, we got $1,000 in. We actually got $2,000. That was our first uh, month's uh, donation. We had three ladies saving up for a couple of months, and we had $2,000 to open the bank account. The very first thing we did was write a check for what? $200 to the diocese. Right? We tithed as a church the very first thing. Then the second thing that we did was we said, what missions are we going to support? Women's Resource Center, right? Because we're supposed to support orphans and widows in their distress. We're giving to our missionaries because we're supposed to be in support of the gospel, right? We're going to give to others that are in need. We're going to give to Anglican Relief and Development. So the second check that we wrote, right, was for $100 to these missions. So we gave 15%. The very first thing that we did was to give away... And the amazing thing about doing that is that it solidifies in our hearts and in our minds that this has all been provided for us to God and that He will continue to provide. And thanks be to God here, our bank account has never dipped below $2,000. It's a little higher now. Right? And our giving has not changed. Right? Our giving has not changed. And what we teach in our giving in our personal lives is that we always acknowledge that God has given and so the first thing that we do is to give to the poor, to give to those who are needy. And the spiritual benefit of that is that fear is driven away and we are reminded of God's provision. When we're reminded of God's provision, when we're organizing our our hearts and our minds according to God's will, we start to get a taste for God's presence. We start to get a desire for God in our midst. We start to feel the Lord in our hearts. We start to feel Him in our lives. We start to experience His his love and his his uh, desire for us, and our response to that is a desire for him, a desire to be with him, to know him, to listen and hear his voice, and that desire is expressed here as readiness. Jesus says in verse thirty five, "Stay dressed for actions. Stay dressed. Keep your lamps burning." Be like men who are waiting for their master, but we don't do this out of just a, a you know a duty that we're somehow recalcitrantly uh, you know responding to. Like, okay, I have gotta stay dressed, I guess. I've gotta stay ready. The Lord says He's coming back. I guess I should be ready, right? That's not our response. Our response is this hunger and thirst, this desire for the Lord to come again. We're waiting for our master because we love Him. And because of our experience of him in our hearts and our minds, so we're looking for him. When we go to the grocery store, when we go to the school, when we go to our workplace, we're looking for the Lord. When we pull into the parking lot, we're looking to see where is Jesus? Where is he acting? Where is he in our midst? What is he doing? Because of our desire for him. And because out of that desire, we have this this readiness that Jesus says again and again and again, right? Stay dressed, keep your lamps burning be waiting, be awake, be awake, he says twice, be ready, he says a second time, be ready, stay dressed, keep your lamps burning, and all in service. Because when the guest comes that we've been waiting for, our natural impulse, our desires to serve, right? What can I get you to drink? Where can you... Where can you sit down? Where can I I make you comfortable? Because we've been waiting, we've been anticipating that guest to come. And the beauty of this guest that is coming, our, our master, is that his desire is to serve us. Isn't this strange in this short parable that Jesus tells that when the master comes, he will serve the servants? If the master serves the servants, how much more are we called to serve one another and to serve him with anticipation? With a desire for the Lord to come and be in our midst. In case we missed the character of faith in Genesis or we missed it in the Gospel, we have this lovely bit from the letter to the Hebrews. It's incredible, isn't it? The way the world talks about faith is that it's blind, that it's almost ignorant. And yet the letter to the Hebrews says it's assurance and it's conviction. Faith is assurance and it's conviction. It is I know that I know that I know. And again, it doesn't come because the Lord comes and just flips some switch in our mind. Like some people just get a, a switch flipped and suddenly they're, they're faithful, suddenly they believe. This is somehow of the way that we think about it, right? Oh, they just their, their faith is so strong, right? They just they just somehow believe and understand the Lord. Now, the the writer to the Hebrews is spending fifteen verses and showing us how this strength comes about. Every single time, faith is loyal obedience, right? How many how many examples do we have here? By faith, Abel did what? Offered a sacrifice. The Lord told him what to do. And he did it. Enoch. Right? By faith pleased God. His actions pleased God. He lived his life in a way that pleased God. Noah. In reverent fear. Constructed an ark. Each one is called. Directed by God. And they are obedient and faithful in the action. Abram. Obeyed. Obeyed. Verse 8. And he went out, and he goes out, and he goes to live. Right? He's responding to the Lord. He goes, he goes, he goes. The Lord calls him and he goes. He goes out to save Lot. He goes out to Haran. He goes out to (laughs) Mandir. He's continually going. Sarah gives birth, she conceives a child. The Lord directs her that this child is going to be from her and she's obedient in conception. And in all of these things, they're looking forward to the things of God. The Lord is saying, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going to go. The faithful one listens and responds in obedience over and over and over again. He says in verse 13, but having seen them, in other words, having seen the things that are promised, that they're seeking a homeland, that they desire a better country. Do you see how the response of the people of God is this seeking, it's this desiring, it's this focusing upon, it's this looking for This is the character that we are to have when we listen to the Lord. Then we're looking to see where is the Lord acting? What is the Lord doing? What is he calling me to do? How am I supposed to respond? What is my response supposed to be? What does this country look like? What is this heavenly place? Because Jesus says heaven is among you and within you, right? It's at hand. The kingdom of God is established here in our midst and we're looking for it, right? That's what we're looking for today. We're looking for the kingdom of heaven here in our midst as we receive Holy Communion, as we greet one another, as we listen to one another, as we acknowledge one another, as we greet each other in fellowship and in love, as we support and encourage one another. All of those things that we do, we're seeking and hungering for the kingdom of God because we've seen just the taste. We've seen and had just a taste because we desire a better country of course my favorite thing about Abram is what Jesus says about him and John he says two things that make the listeners in the crowd just about fall over Mm -hmm. right? he says Abraham saw my day and rejoiced and they say how can that be Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Abraham, through the vision of God, because the word made flesh, came to him amongst those oak trees and spoke to him. He saw and met Jesus. And Jesus said, this is what I'm going to accomplish. And Abraham rejoiced. And then he says, if we are to be children of Abraham, what does he say? The children of Abraham do as Abraham has done. The children of Abraham do as Abraham has done. That means that we listen and we respond. We listen and we respond. And as we experience more and more that faith and that hope, that desire for the things of God, that love that he has shown for us, our desire, our seeking, our anticipation of that heavenly kingdom will become so robust, so powerful, so strong, that it will overwhelm all that we do and say so that we see the Lord and his angels and his heavenly country more and more in our midst here today and everywhere we go. May we rejoice in seeking and hungering for the city of God this day and forevermore.